Isaac Signs here on this Monday, March 28th. I hope y'all are doing well. Um, you know, once again, starting a, a new edition of the show. A lot going on right now in the NFL, obviously with the league meetings. And a lot of things to be discussed, um, including some potential changes to the overtime format. Um, and and I got to say, I think I like the proposal for overtime. When you take a look at what they put on the table, I'm, I'm actually going to pull that up right now. The rule change proposals, 2022, you got by the uh, competition committee, make permanent the free kick formation change implemented during the 2021 season that established a maximum number of players in the setup zone. The second one is the uh, proposed by the Colts and the Eagles, and it would allow both teams an opportunity to possess the ball in overtime. And then you have another OT proposal, this one by the Tennessee Titans and this is one that I think I can get on board with. I think it makes plenty of sense. And it reads as follows. Allow both teams an opportunity to possess the ball in overtime unless the team with the first possession scores a touchdown and a successful two-point try. Um, now, I truly believe that that could be a viable option, honestly, because now I know there's a lot about getting, I, I guess, a lot of support for allowing each team an opportunity to possess the ball. But I'm in the camp of, I don't think you deserve to touch the ball if you allow an opening touchdown. And then if you let the other team convert a two-point conversion, then I think I would agree that it's fair that, hey, you didn't give your offense a chance because you couldn't stop first, you couldn't hold them out of the end zone, and then you couldn't stop on a two-point try. And so I think, honestly, of those two overtime proposals, I would vouch for the Tennessee Titans um, rule proposal. And mind you, it's significant because that's exactly what is being discussed at the league meetings right now going on. Um, and, and that's where owners and head coaches are discussing some potential rule changes. And the three that I just read are the ones that are on the board and on the table for discussion. And so I think that's going to be and entertaining. I wish I could be a fly on the wall, you know, trying to hear those uh, voting. I think there needs to be a majority vote. So I think it's 27 or 28 of the 32 teams need a vote in favor for a rule change to um, be put through. And so that'll certainly be something that I keep tabs on uh, moving forward in this, this NFL league meeting period. Now, uh, some some news this morning, you know, kind of to get you caught up just in case uh, you're, you know, at lunch break and you're trying to figure out what's the latest in the world of NFL. And so I got you covered right here on Pro Football Chase. You can follow me at Pro Football Chase on Instagram. And then you can also follow me at P Football Chase on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook, Pro Football Chase. You can find the daily content. Um, but after a quiet day on Sunday, um, the news to start the morning was Brandon Linder, Linder, the Jaguars starting center at 30 years old, 
announced his retirement from the NFL after eight seasons. And so that was kind of a surprise to some people, just considering that he's 30 years old. I mean, probably you figure he had another four to five solid years. He's been that anchor in Jacksonville for eight years, was drafted in the third round of the 2014 NFL draft. And so just like that, the Jaguars at this point in free agency, they're, they have a hole at center now, you know, and so, you know, Jacksonville has the number one overall pick and a lot of people expect it to be Aiden Hutchinson, the edge uh, rusher from Michigan. But now maybe with that early second round pick, that may be a play for a center. And, and who knows, Jacksonville could package their early second round pick, maybe a third or a fourth to move into the end of the first round. And maybe if uh, Tyler Linderbaum, the center for Iowa, if he's still there on the board in the late 20s, you know, starting in 21, all the way to the end of round one, good to see um, Doug Peterson be aggressive, you know, trying to vouch for a center on that offensive line, especially, you know, placing that franchise tag on Cam Robinson. Looks like they're going to go DE in. Um, so now all of a sudden, a guy like Tyler Lindebaum, maybe a Zion Johnson that has that position, flex to play center as well out of Boston College, for those of you who may not know who I'm talking about. So Jacksonville just became a team that's in the market to land a center. And then you also look at Dallas at 24. And so that may be a spot where Jacksonville needs to try to get ahead of 24. Dallas is still there. And they're a team that is obviously – set its sights on improving the interior offensive line. Tyler Biotish not quite living up to expectations in year two. And so Dallas could be a team that's eyeing Tyler Linderbaum. And so you're the Jaguars. Maybe they want to be aggressive and fill um, Brandon Linder after he That could be a play getting ahead of 24. Play for the Iowa center. All right. Now another piece of news this morning, a little bit smaller. Uh, Jabril Peppers, free agent. Played for the Giants formally. He is on a visit today to, uh, to the New England Patriots. Um, and you kind of just get the sense that he's a guy that fits Bill Belichick's style. He's a Swiss Army knife. He can play multiple positions. Um, a guy that has been very um, consistent. I think he had some inconsistency when he started his career in Cleveland. He obviously was traded a part of that Odell Beckham trade. Goes to New York. Put together a couple of solid seasons. You know, a guy that's hard-nosed, that can be a factor in the box as a safety. And so I, I've always been a fan of his game. He can also, you know, that just sounds like a chance for Jabril Peppers to uh, to have an opportunity, you know, to, to make some noise in New England. You know that he's a, a player that Bill Belichick embraces, a guy that is willing to do anything for the team. So keep an eye on that one. We'll see if his visit culminates in a potential deal. But that's the first interest we hear in Jabril Peppers, this free agency. And then following shortly, the big news, right, for the Entertainment Center, the Detroit Lions, Dan Campbell and the Lions were selected to appear on this year's edition of Hard Knocks, you know. And so for those of you that have not watched Hard Knocks, I think it's uh, it's great. It gets into the, the grinded-out training camp days, it shows how the business side of the NFL is run with players being cut, you know, and trying to take advantage of 
preseason undrafted rookies and uh, guys that are just battling for spots, even if it's not even for the 53-man roster, but it's for other teams and trying to play out and show their best skill. And then also uh, also shows the, the side where you see some veterans, you know, some well-known guys that lose their positions to younger players and they end up being cut. And so they show the the meetings when guys are brought into offices and they're cut and you know it's it's a it's a reality show man it, it goes inside what goes on during an NFL training camp and how they're just grueling days you know they're out there competing challenging each other that's where you know the molding of a team is made and so I got to tell you what I'm pretty fired up to see Dan Campbell on Hard Knocks you know the guy never seems to disappoint when it comes to providing entertainment content for the media. You look at several of his press conferences from his rookie season as a head coach, you know, passionate, fiery guy. Of course, his introductory press conference there with the Lions talked about biting kneecaps and uh, referencing wild animals and and a guy that certainly is an outside-the-box thinker. And so I think it's going to be quite a treat seeing Dan Campbell you know, mic'd up. And then Aaron Glenn, the D.C., he's an emerging candidate. And I think it won't be long before he lands a head coaching gig. I know he was interviewed for a couple of positions, including the Saints, which he was there as their D.C. a couple of years ago. And then Deuce Daly, you know, now on offense, assistant head coach. Uh, you know, we got to see a little bit of that, that Lions staff in action for the Senior Bowl. And so now we'll get the full access for HBO's Hard Knocks. And so I got to say, man, I'm pretty excited. Jared Goff, Amaran St. Brown, uh, DeAndre Swift. You're going to see a lot of these young players. You're going you're gonna to see what, what type of personalities they carry, um, if at all, right? And so I'm looking forward to seeing the Lions be featured. Now, we have um, Andre Detroit has been selected to host the 2024 NFL Draft, which is a big win for the city of Detroit. They beat out Green Bay and Washington, D.C. to host it. What's the upcoming uh, draft site? So obviously, due to COVID-19 last year, the draft was supposed to be in Vegas. It ended up being virtual because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So the NFL decided to say, well, we'll push back the 2023 NFL draft. We'll, we'll have it in Vegas since Vegas lost out on the event last year. And then now 2023, oh, excuse me, so 2022 this year, it's in Vegas. 2023, it's going to be in Kansas City, which I know is going to be a great host. You know, I've been through Kansas City a lot. My folks live in the area, so it's a booming area. A lot of passionate fans out there. So it'll be in KC. And then in 2024, it'll be in Detroit, which I know a lot of people are um, are going to be excited over that. And so I think that the Detroit is one of those cities that a lot of people like to, you know, visit in, in a event. 
So pretty big for the Lions in the city of Detroit today. Not bad just that way. You have uh, Hard Knocks going to the Lions training camp. Now Detroit selected as a 2024 NFL draft location. Now some more uh, pieces of information coming in, especially on Bobby Wagner. Um, you know that the 31-year-old all-pro linebacker visited two contending teams last week, met with the Rams last Wednesday, and then he visited with the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday afternoon. And so both teams are believed to have significant interest um, in adding the, the Pro Bowl caliber linebacker who still has plenty of football left in his system, uh, tackling machine for the Seattle Seahawks last, last season. Of course, you put them on a stacked defense with other playmakers around that Seattle simply didn't have. You can expect to see the best version or close to it from Bobby Wagner. Um, Peter King from uh, NBC Sports reporting that Bobby Wagner is, is, is supposedly, of course, you know, hasn't been confirmed and uh, we're not exactly sure if his camp maybe leaked that, but He's seeking a one-year deal worth $11 million around that ballpark per year. And up to this point, you know, the Rams, after going out and spending big on Allen Robinson, you know, swinging for the fences as they typically do, they're not the most flexible when it comes to, to cap space. And so according to King, the Rams are unwilling to meet Wagner's asking price, but they do have, quote-unquote, legitimate interest in the former Seahawk linebacker trying to get them from their uh, division rival, right? Trying to bolster that interior in the linebacking court with the Rams defense. Bobby Wagner would certainly join forces with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. I mean, an impact player at every level, along with the rising player and Ernest Jones, a rookie who showed flashes. I mean, that would be a Another splash move by Les Need if they can eventually find some common ground with Bobby Wagner. But as mentioned, the Ravens are still very much in on Bobby Wagner. Josino Anderson of CBS reported this morning that the Ravens believe they have a competitive offer on the table for Bobby Wagner. So obviously they have already submitted a contract to Wagner at this point. It doesn't seem like any deal is considered imminent. As of this morning, it looks like Wagner is really taking his time. He does represent himself, by the way. So he doesn't have an agent, which can sometimes slow the process of negotiations because, you know, Wagner clearly is doing his due diligence on what his market should look like, the type of compensation that he feels um, worthy of. And, and at this point, because, you know, he especially at this point of the market, you know, the, a lot of the tier one guys have already gone off the market. Wagner's probably looking for a one-year deal around that 11, $12 million range. Feels like that's, that's a reasonable deal for him. And then he's following, he proves once again, Phil, linebacker, and then he's on a two or three deal next season and kind of wants to test out his next landing spot on a one-year deal as opposed to committing long-term, right? Because if it's not a fit after one season, it then gives him leverage to hit free agency again, explore his options, and then go from there. So in terms of teams on Wagner's radar, 
So far, it's the Rams and Ravens. You know, you've heard rumors of the Cowboys being a landing spot. We know Dallas doesn't like to spend big on free agency. And after hearing his price of $11 million on a one-year deal, chances are Dallas is probably not even going to want to pay him half of that on a contract the way Stephen Jones does business. So I'm not exactly sure um, what what is going to be in play. Maybe he takes a couple of more visits um, this week to some other teams to see if he can get a team to meet his salary demands. Uh, I'd imagine the Ravens probably offered Wagner something along the lines of what he's seeking. Maybe not all the way there because if they were, uh, I'm sure Wagner would have already decided to sign with Baltimore. But then again, he could just be taking things slow letting things play out, see where he has the best chance to thrive. And so I wouldn't shock me if he lines up a couple of more visits this week before making a decision maybe over the weekend or early next week. We'll see how that goes. For Bobby Wagner, we'll continue keeping tabs on his situation right here on Pro Football Chase. A couple more uh, news bits. Uh, John Fox, the former Panthers, Bears head coach, um, he ends up as a senior defense assistant on the Indianapolis Colts defensive staff. Obviously, they hired uh, Gus Bradley, who did a nice job of turning around that Las Vegas Raiders defense this past season. And so John Fox, right, a guy that has been around the NFL for a long time, uh, comes out, returns to coaching. He's going to join Gus Bradley's staff, and I think that's, that's a, a nice move. You know, John Fox has always been known as a defensive-minded guy, and so why not bring in a veteran that can help a young Colts defense reach the next level? Of course, they're implementing a new scheme after losing their their D.C. Um, Matt Eberflus obviously took that Bears head coaching job, so a little bit of a swap, right? Fox goes to Indy, um, and so that's an interesting move, and, and especially – a team that is looking to develop an elite style of defense. We know they got the Maniac and Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner. They're going to get Julian Blackman back from injury last year, a young promising safety that has made some splashes. And so Indy very much so looking to uh, potentially uh, cash in with that move, adding a guy with a veteran ship that John Fox brings to the table. We had another offensive lineman signing in New York per Jordan Schultz of ESPN. He reports that Max Garcia, a versatile line, uh, offensive lineman that can play guard, that can play center, uh, signs a one-year deal with the New York Giants. You know, Joe, Joe Schoen is trying to just completely revamp that offensive line. A guy with some versatility, maybe a six-man, a swing offensive lineman, a guy that can come in, uh, 52 career starts, including 11 last season with the Cardinals. So again, another small signing, but one that uh, Scone is looking to just solidify the Giants' offensive front ahead of the NFL draft. Of course, plenty of, plenty of ammo to work with in the first round. Two uh, lucrative first-round picks, um, and you'd imagine that he's going to at least spend one of them on a top on a top offensive line. So uh, we'll see it where he chooses to. Um, route the franchise when uh, draft weekend comes. It's coming up at the end of April. Looking forward to that very much so. Another offensive line signing, this time the former Giant offensive guard, Will Hernandez, um, goes to the Arizona Cardinals. So there is the replacement for Max Garcia. Uh, um, you got Hernandez getting a one-year deal, and he's going to the desert 
maybe he's going to be a plug-and-play offensive guard. And, and I'm kind of surprised that got to see I didn't generate more interest on the market earlier considering, you know, his resume as a starting guard. But from what I'm told, you know, he did struggle with penalties with the New York Giants. But one thing that you cannot uh, question is his toughness. The guy's a road, dra- road grader in the run game, nasty offensive line. So I thought he could he could have benefited plenty of teams that are looking for a feisty interior offensive alignment. So he finds a home in Arizona. And then uh, another uh, some news for the Saints, uh, bringing back one of their own receivers, Traquan Smith, a guy that had generated some interest from a divisional rival. The Atlanta Falcons actually hosted Traquan Smith for a visit a couple of weeks ago. Obviously didn't sign him to a deal, but he returns to New Orleans. It looks like the Saints probably told him, go see what you can get out on the market. Go get a, uh, a better understanding of what your market value is and then come back to us. We'll get back to the negotiating table. Sure enough, the Saints are able to work out a deal with Traquan Smith. It's a two-year deal, um, $6 million, and then it includes $2 million guaranteed. Smith's deal has a max value of $10.5 million with incentives. So, you know, Mickey Loomis liking to go the route of adding those playtime incentives. If you can... Uh, if you can uh, prove to us that you can hit, you know, certain amount of touchdowns on the season, then he will earn that four and a half million, or the potential to get it to ten and a half million um, on the season. So I know the Saints <clears throat> have kind of been in the market trying to um, find some receivers, so they shore up the deal with Traquan Smith. Just hearing from a source right now, a minor move for the Buffalo Bills. They're re-signing offensive guard Ike Butker, uh, 27-year-old offensive lineman. He returns uh, to Buffalo. This will be his uh, a continuation of his second stint. And so the Buffalo Bills bringing back a familiar face to that offensive line, Ike Butker, to the Bills on a one-year deal as Brandon Bean continues to round out that offensive line that has really been one of the most drastically improved units um, in the NFL since Brandon Bean took over. Uh, you get, you got to give him a lot of credit for building up that offensive line, understanding what he has in Josh Allen. And so bringing back um, Ike Butger, a guy that's very familiar with the scheme, I think is always a good, new, a good move. You know, trying to keep as much consistency as possible, especially when you have a dynamic quarterback in Josh Allen. You obviously want to keep him upright. Ike Butker has done a nice job, an underrated offensive lineman for the Buffalo Bills, uh, and he's back in Buffalo. So I'll get that posted up on my page shortly as I get ready to close out this week's edition of the Pro Football Chase podcast. But again, um, so what to expect this week? You know, I, I do think that there are quite a bit of tier two and tier three free agents that are still to be had out there. Uh, most most notably, of course, I already mentioned him, Bobby Wagner, but you got the honey badger out there, Tyron Matthew, that again, he's one of those players that I'm very surprised that is still open on the market. You know, I, I think he was a guy that a lot of people expected to come off quickly off the market, but I think he's run into a, 
a little bit of a slower market. The interest not quite there um, that he was maybe expecting. At least that most of us were expecting him to land a deal early. Like I said, I mean, capitalizing on his position flex, his versatility, um, but he's still out there, and there really hasn't been much traction on him landing with another team. You know, there hasn't been any visits. And so I'm wondering at this point, you know, does a guy like Tyron Matthew, does he go ahead and, and hold out and wait to sign after the draft and see, you know, how things shape out with some teams um, before making a decision on where he wants to land? I mean, I'd imagine at this point, a lot of these guys, veterans that are on the market, they're probably going to want to settle for a one-year deal, you know, an incentive-based contract just trying to make sure that they can return uh, to um, they can return to the free agency market next year. And so I wouldn't be shocked if Honey Badger settles for a one-year deal. Um, and uh, here's a, here's the way to, to settle that, you know, build the value up and, hit that market trying to get as much money as possible, right? You're trying to maximize their worth. And so I would expect maybe some more movement this week. Maybe not. I know Jadavion Clowney is still out there, a guy that always, every single year, takes his time, right, deciding what he wants to do. Um, word out there is that Cleveland is, is, is kind of made a push trying to bring him back. Um, and so we'll see if he decides to take up Cleveland's offer. One guy actually that is available on the trade front that there's been some buzz about him potentially being on the move due to cap reasons, the New York Giants, uh, James Bradbury. He's a guy that could be on the move. Um, I've heard that the Chiefs are linked to him, a couple other teams that have been uh, expressing some interest in bringing a guy like James Bradbury, who's really been a consistent um corner obviously it comes down to the numbers game for the giants and this is a rebuilding project for uh scone and he realizes that there's a strong chance that he can get you know at least maybe some mid-round compensation a team that can take on bradbury's contract and move on from him and and really again a team that has been linked to sauce gardner right in in the top 10 and you know they're going to get a high quality corner uh, at their disposal and so Cheaper deal, more upside with a young player, you know, and so because of those reasons, I'd imagine that, you know, the Giants can't be expecting quite a significant haul in return, just like we've seen guys like Cooper go for a fifth and some guys, because you're not only acquiring the player, you're, you're going to take on the remaining contract. And so Kansas City, who's looking to, to bolster their secondary, being in that wild, wild AFC West trying to control some of those high-powered offenses. James Bradbury is a guy um, that they've liked, obviously, and so they've kind of sniffed around a potential trade. Um, and then they they also have uh, had some preliminary negotiations with Stephon Gilmore, trying to see you know what what is his asking price? Is it realistic you know to pay a 31 year old corner? Uh, from what I've heard, he's still holding out to land a nice lucrative contract, you know, maybe something 13 to 15 million a year, maybe more. I know the Raiders have been linked to Stephon Gilmore um, and, and there's reports out there that they've had a contract on the table to Gilmore for more than a week. Um, just right now playing the waiting game and seeing what 
Stephon Gilmore wants to do. You know, maybe Gilmore's holding out for a team to increase their asking price. Maybe he's trying to create leverage um, and, and find a way to, to get the most money from a team as possible. I mean, I'm not exactly sure what his primary focus is in free agency right now. If, he, if he's more focused on uh, landing with the contender or maybe he's more focused on getting um, his money and, and what he wants. Because this, this is ultimately considering his age and, and the influx of young talent entering the NFL, this essentially could be his last chance at a nice contract. And so, because of that, um, I would expect Stephon Gilmore to continue to drag out this process and take his time. Obviously, if he was in a rush to sign, I, I would have uh, guessed that he would have landed with the Las Vegas Raiders, but we're not entirely sure what was being offered from uh, the, the Vegas Raiders. So, we'll see how things play out a little bit. But... Um, Definitely one name to keep an eye on. And then Jaquaski Tart is another um, starting caliber safety that's available. Um, and I'm kind of shocked that San Francisco hasn't made more of an effort to bring him back. But he is still a, a starting caliber player that could come in and really on any team and provide depth and starting experience. So we'll see uh, where a player like... Um, Strakowski Tart lands, right? So a lot to be discussed here. Um, I, I know that this is kind of a rundown of what's going on. Things are starting to slow down a little bit in free agency. This is typically the trend. You have the busy, crazy first couple of days, deals, agreements that are already met. And then as the first week goes on, I mean, it's just a constant left and right, you know, so-and-so agree to terms, and, and then, of course, the trade and the, the blockbuster deals that we've seen. You know, I think this week things are indeed taking a, a slower turn as these remaining free agents are, are really taking their time. A lot of these guys have opted to take visits as opposed to just negotiating a deal, you know, and so it takes time, you know, and so we'll see which uh, big name is the next to land. Um, and we'll keep you all posted right here on the Pro Football Chase podcast. Um, and you can always expect the coverage. Know that I'm always going to keep my followers um, ready to go. And we're going to continue to have fun doing it right here on the Pro Football Chase podcast. And so it's always a pleasure um, with you uh, tuning in to my weekly podcast. And I couldn't be more excited about the NFL draft coming up. Um, and I'm looking forward to breaking down some prospects and seeing um, who's available, the best fits. Um, as the draft inches closer, I'm sure we're going to draft a trade. Maybe we have a couple of teams that are going to try to be aggressive and move up into the top five for a quarterback. You just never really know um, how things are going to go. And so that's what makes things so uh, so enticing and so entertaining. Um, and we're going to have all that coverage for you right here on the Pro Football Chase podcast. So, again, I appreciate you all uh, tuning in, whether you've tuned in live, whether you are tuning in. It's always a pleasure uh, chatting some football right here, um, keeping you up to date with 
all the latest from around the National Football League. So um, I hope you have a great rest of the Monday. Let's make it a good uh, a good Monday, and uh, we'll certainly touch base as we continue moving forward in free agency. All right, signing off one last time. It's been Isaac Signs here. Take care.